Inspiration, Adventist Reflections. Hi family, we are starting a new series in your Adventist Reflections podcast. In addition to a regular episode, COVID-19 has brought various challenges and for some even difficulties. However, amongst these, we must count our blessings. So today we start a book club. We will be reading the Last Day Events book written by Ellen G. White. If you would like to join us in this journey, please contact us via our Facebook or Instagram accounts as Adventist Reflections. Perhaps you don't have a copy of this book and you would like one, do let me know and I'll send you one so you can join us. You can join us from the comfort of your home and just follow up through with this podcast or you can even join us live every Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Australian Time also known as Queensland time here for Australians. It is a relaxed format, nothing like you have heard before in this podcast. I hope you do enjoy it. I enjoy it. I had so much fun and learned so much with the family of God. And even more so, I hope that I can hear from you who would like to join us in this new project where we dissect things that we were advised before they come to pass so that really when they come to pass, we believe and strengthen our belief. Are you ready? Here we go. How are you going? You're very soft. Can you make it soft louder? Oh, how about now? Yeah, is that better? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yay. There is Joshua and company. There is Nathan and company. There is Alisa and company. And there's Liliana. Hi, Liliana. Hey, Dan. How are you? Yeah, good. So, um, Liliana, we have a couple of friends in here from Cairns. We have Elisa, and then we have the Matsukira family, who I cannot see. Hello, I'm, guys. I'm here, Daniel. I'm just hiding from Akuso. Oh, <laughs> hiding for the little boy. Uh, Ivy is from Mackay. Well, anyhow, it's good to see you all. Hello, my name is Deb. Okay. Oh, little baby. <laughs> He's so cute. Isn't it amazing, like, the family of God is so beautiful. All right, let's pray. Who would like to pray? <laughs> Everybody's shy. Is that because it's the first time? <laughs> I'll give you a ceremony if you want. Joshua will pray. I can see he unmuted himself. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity that we have to be together and uh, worship we pray that your Holy Spirit will bless us and uh, we can see out of the first chapter and final events, things are moving along in prophecy and we pray for your wisdom for understanding. We also pray for Sanja and her pregnancy that you would be with um, her and her bub and be able to make it through uh, safely to, to the end according to your will and 
uh, give her the strength to pull through. We also would like to pray for the leaders of our nations, the decision that they are having to take and make. We pray that you be with them, lead and guide, and we know that you have your minute men amongst those leaders willing to do and obey uh, your command to hold back the winds of strife yet, and we pray that you be with them as well. We pray that you would be with those that uh, each one of us have individually reached out um, to during this week and planted a seed or watered a seed or be with each individual that we've spoken with and that the fruit uh, will be harvested by you one day soon. Thank you for these things, and uh, thank you for your promise of always being with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you. All right, guys. Well, this is the time when we talk about this book. So those of you who read it, what's the title of the book? Earth's Last Crisis. So just from the title, obviously the title is not scientified in any way, shape or form. Just the guys who compile it is like, I'm, we're going to name it this way. But what kind of idea is this bringing to us? About Jesus coming. Jesus coming? Yeah. Anything else? It's reminding us of the fact that God always warns his people. He has always let them know ahead of time. And it's our duty to study what he has, what he has talked about. Awesome. You know, when I think about that title, I think about the idea of... Um, there will be a crisis. There will be no more after that. If that's that's what I'm trying to point out. You know, there will be one, and there will be the final one. No more thereafter. The reason why I think is an interesting thing is when I think about it is like, well, what does that crisis means? And this whole Bible study came, and I think for me it's a blessing. I don't know. I hope that is for you too. But this whole thing came out of a crisis that we're living around the world. Now, let's get into that chapter. What, what ideas do you have in here? What, what catches your attention out of this chapter? The puzzling bit. I mean, it's in the one sense, like you, it goes through and you listen and you hear, well, there was this and then there was this crisis, you know, throughout biblical history. And then there's, we're on the verge and it's, um, we're almost there. And those sorts of things that are said mm. is the puzzling bit, I guess, that it, you know, like the Bible says, how long? <laughs> yeah. How long? Do you know how long, Josh? I don't. <laughs> I don't. Page 12, um, under mm-hmm. the troublous times soon to come, um, there's a, a sentence that I never really thought about in that way. I always thought that the time of trouble will be, you know, God's presence would be lifted up from the earth. And we're sort of on our own in the last bit. But she sort of says in that second paragraph, she says, we are to awake and ask the Lord Jesus to place underneath us his everlasting arms Mm. and carry us through the time of trial before us. Mm. So, So she's saying, so wake up. And ask God to, you know, to carry you through this time. And also down the bottom where it says, there are stormy times before us. Yeah. And then this, I thought, was important. It says, but let us not utter one word of unbelief or discouragement. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. I just, I really, really, like what really stands out to me is how much we don't know mm. of what we should know already. So it says here, I don't know what page it is, but it's under the study of the books of Daniel, Daniel and Revelation especially. Yeah. It says here that the prophecy is now to be studied with diligence by the people of God and should be clearly understood. And the solemn messages that have been given in their order in the Revelation are to occupy the first place in the, ma- in the minds of God's people. 
So it may, that someday there has to be clearly outlined on what really will happen. Yeah, and before that, introducing those ideas of Daniel and Revelation, it talks about, you know, how we should be looking at the waymarks. It reminds me of that song in the hymn book, Look for the Waymarks, the Great Prophetic Waymarks. And it's interesting because you're right, like I think, and she's writing about the idea that the disciples, you know, they were clear signs of what was to come, but they missed the point. Like they all missed what was going to happen, even though they were clearly told. And she's making this sense of urgency. Look, let us not that happen to us. She's not prophesying that that will happen to us. She's like, probably it'll happen to many, but we have enough information and we have the story of the disciples so that that doesn't have to take place for us. We have all these beautiful prophecies that sometimes it might be, they might be puzzling and difficult to understand for some of us. But it says, you know, the promise is that for those who seek, they will find and God will create, will, will give us inspiration. It will give us insights to be able to understand what the prophetic messages are telling us. Yeah, I, I see the, the passage that you were uh, referring to clearly. It says on that same page, that they should be clearly understood, it says, to the, the prophecies of Revelation, uh, and I'm talking about Daniel before as well, they should study with diligence and they should be clearly understood. And then in the next one says they should occupy the first place in the minds of God's people. And I think that's important because sometimes we dismiss the prophecies because we don't understand them. We say like, oh, they're too hard. You know, we'll just stick to the gospel and the cross. And we forget that the prophecies are full of the gospel and the cross. If you ever hear the prophecies and they are not explained or understood or even study them when you think about it and in line with what God did through Jesus Christ, then we're missing something because that's the whole point. The whole Bible is about that. Anything else that catches your attention? Caleb wants to say something. Yes, Caleb. <laughs> Um, I think I read there it said that us young people should also study the 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 prophecies just not because we're too little. We say, oh, we don't understand, but we should also study it to know what will come. Absolutely, Caleb, young man. In a matter of fact, when we read those passages talking about the prophecies, you look at them and they were originally poached from uh, messages to, to the actually, not the book messages to young people, but they were given in uh, to, with the scope to reach the young people. Yeah, you're right. It says that. It says, like, you know, young people should be doing that. And when I read that, I felt like, oh, maybe too old. So does that mean I shouldn't? But the reality is she was making the point, like, yeah. everybody should. And young people, you shouldn't be exempt. And you're like, oh, I'm, only, I'm only 12, I'm only 10, I'm only 13. You have a mind that God gave you, and you can use it. Yeah, good, good point. Good stuff. You know, Jesus was 12, and he said, don't you know I must be about my father's business? And so, yeah, so from that age, he wasn't just magically, have a magical download in his brain about the interpretation of all the prophecies. You know, it was at his mother's knee that he learned the Old Testament and and dwelt upon the the prophecies contained there and the Holy Spirit as he dwelt about upon them gave him understanding what they meant. Back in the day that said, you know, you can't don't don't study the prophecies of Daniel because mm-hmm. like we say the prophecies and preach them, you know, but we go up to chapter eleven and then we kind of stop. <laughs> yeah, we you know what I mean? oh, that's too hard. After after verse thirty nine forty we're like, oh true. So there's a couple of things I think that we have gathered 
there is, I mean, the, the, the chapter starts with a sense of urgency. It's talking about even a statesman. And that's interesting, you know, because Milton was sharing with us, hey, let's pray for our leaders. Because it's saying, you know, a statesman, people in, in, in high authority uh, kind of positions will be impressed. They will know. They don't know what. And that's, I guess, our responsibility to share that with them. But they will be like, hey, something is happening. We cannot go on like this for much longer. There is that sense of urgency. And I think if we go back to the media today and we'll find out that people are saying the same thing. The problem with some people today is that, for example, we're having this crisis and people believe that we're going to go back to normal. A lot of people, because they want to create hope, they're saying, but we're going to be okay. Eventually we'll go back and we're going to pass this. And there is a, this sense of things are going to be better here. And I think as Christians, we can agree that we know that things are going to be better. But as Bible-believing Christians, we know that things are not going to be better here. The things are going to start getting a bit worse than just this whole thing that we're having through with coronavirus. And it's not that we want it to happen that way. It's just that's how it's going to happen. And yet, Alisa mentioned something so important, which I think it will be good for us to dwell as we finish this. We need to make sure that with the way we take things, with the way we perceive things in this crisis going through these troubles sometimes, we make we need to make sure that we understand that we as Christians need to live with some level of hope and not panic. We need to live with a level of understanding and not desperation. Our tribulation is not here yet. And Sister White mentions that even in, in I think it's in chapter 69 or 59, I think 69, you know, when it talks about the little time of trouble, which she says, you know, so many of us are getting so hopeless and desperate about the things that are happening. And that's just the beginning of things. And let us not bring that distress to us because the distress will come and, and you don't need to bring more to you right now. Why would you do that? Like, you know, have faith in God. Yeah. But this chapter, uh, the word trouble, I don't know if you noticed, like when I was reading, I was like, trouble, trouble, trouble. So I, I had the, I went on to finding out, oh, that's my watch. I went on to finding out how many times the word trouble or troublesome was mentioned. And it was mentioned 11 times in that chapter. 11 times, trouble, 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 trouble. I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm getting troubled already. And, <laughs> and, and so it, it goes back to that sense of agency. What, what do you think about that idea that there is so many times these things mentioned? What, what does that mean for you? What does it bring to you? Can you think of a, a, a scripture that mentions the word trouble? Yes. Let not your trouble. Let not your heavy trouble. Ah, good one. Yes, let not your heavy trouble. Believe in God, believe in me. You know, and my father has so many mentions. If it were not so, I will have told you. Therefore, I got to prepare a place for you. Lovely verse. That's important because, you know, I think that resonates with what Elisa was saying. You know, COVID-19 or not COVID-19, if my father is preparing a mention for me, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> uh, not to simplify it, it's a serious business, you know, but, but that's the reality. That's the faith of the Christian. Good. Any other, any other quotes? Any other, any other verse? Uh, Daniel 12, verse 1. Oh, yes. What does it say? We just studied last week. No, the week before. At that time, Michael will stand up and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was, Excellent. nor will there ever be. True that. Yes. So also there will be a significant time of trouble. And, and, and that is, when you think about it, that, that is um, resonating with what I was mentioning before of the little time of trouble. When, when Sister White unpacks that verse, she starts speaking about Jacob's trouble. It's that chapter in the great controversy we talked about. Yeah. So there will be a significant trouble that will come. And at that time, Michael will stand up. What will happen if he doesn't stand up, by the way? What do you know? 
We will stay here. <laughs> yes. Well, what else? There is something else because that's at the very, 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 almost, almost the very end. Something else will happen. The, the message that we have is the times will be shortened because if they are not, what happens? There will be no life. There will be no life. Everybody will be dead. The devil will just say, like, let's wipe them all off. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, at that time, you know, the, when the Holy Spirit retrieves itself from this earth, everybody will be to their own wickedness, everybody to their own hearts. And, and if you are righteous, what does Revelation 22, 11 says? We'll hear a lot about that, I think, through this uh, book, but um, oh, that kind of idea. Yeah, that who is, you know, holy, holy still, righteous, righteous still, wicked, wicked still. So the polarization will be clear. And, you know, if God doesn't stand up and come and pick us up, They and, and intervenes. They literally, if it were for Satan, he'll just get rid of everybody. He doesn't really care, especially if you are God's worshiper. Uh, let me see. I put a little PowerPoint for you to see. Where is it? I had it open just before. Ah, here we go. Ah, can you see it? Yeah. Go to these verses if you can. <coughs> oh, no, oh, I'm sorry. Well, I would show you my water. Say again. Uh, I was going to give you my water, but uh... my your water. <laughs> Not my water. Some water. Some water. Give me the water of life. Uh, I don't <laughs> Matthew 24, 6 and 8. And I put there V9. That V should say VS because I, I'm, I'm putting actually versus 9 because I want you to con contrast this stuff. So what about if, um, uh, Joshua, you read verses 6 to 8 and then we have, Nathan, would you like to read? Would that be okay? Would you be able to read 9? Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Go ahead and let us see the contrast. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. And they will deliver you up to tribulation, And to kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Cool. Thank you, guys. So what did you see that Jesus Christ is saying in, 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 in the first ones that Joshua read? What is it saying? What is Jesus saying? Remember, Jesus is talking to the disciples. The disciples saying, when is these things are going to happen? Talking about the, the time of the end, although that was relevant for them. So that was not the time of the end for them. It was applicable to them. But we know it has a dual application. It applies to us as well. So what is it saying there? Where is the word trouble? Is the word trouble there at all? Yeah. And what does it say about the trouble? Well, it ain't the end. It's the beginning. Okay. So it's the beginning of the trouble? But it also says, see that you are not troubled as well. So, ah. so as we are going through the trouble, I think it's important to have that peace and trust in God as we're going through this. It's not to be troubled as we go through these things. Okay. Where does it say that, sweetheart? Where does it say not to be troubled? Verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. Yeah. We went through this um, thing that we've been having, this virus thing. Is You will see these things happening. Be aware of them, but don't fear because, um, yeah, God's going to mm. be with us. So it's not saying not to be prepared. It's not saying, hey, you're not, don't be prepared, don't be forewarned, don't. Don't take the measures that you have to take. But he's saying we shouldn't be fearful about these things because he's saying, look, they're going to happen. And the reality is the fear, the anxiety that you're, you, you might be experiencing 
will not really stop them. So I think God is wise in telling us that uh, we shouldn't be troubled. But yet, Nathan read uh, verse uh, 9. And what does verse 9 say? That they will what? What will they do? Some some people will do deliver us and do what? They will kill us. Now, I don't know about you. I, I'll be honest. I'm very human. And um, if somebody wants to kill me, I, I, I'm a runner. I'm not I'm not a freezer. I'm not a fighter. I'm a runner. I'm a fly. I, I flight. I'm in the flight, you know, fight, flight, freeze responses. I'm a, I'm a flyer guy. But if somebody's coming to me, and that tells you a little bit about me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a scary who's, you know, I'm not going to deny that. If somebody comes and kills me, I don't know. My response naturally will be to fly, which means that I worry. Like, I don't know about you. Wouldn't you be a bit afflicted? To know that somebody's gonna come and at the end of the day, the time of troubles will become that it will be so hard. And even as compared uh, in, in, the, in Matthew, Jesus saying, you know, don't worry about it. What do you think about that? That's a bit challenging, at least for me, it is. Um, but what is the answer to that? Well, I think we have, um, we have light at the end of the tunnel. God didn't just leave a question mark to the end of the story. He wrote the whole story, finished the end. Yeah. And, and if we, have been exercising faith, then, then he allows us to continue to exercise faith, then allows us to take refuge and, and, and I guess peace in that knowledge that God has, um, foretold us what the outcome of the whole story is. And so we don't need to be, you know, fearful because like, you know, you can be fearful because you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. But we know what's going to happen. Yeah. So I think that takes away some of the, I mean, we can look at it from that perspective and, and, and that can take away um, some of that fear and anxiety and stress because yeah. we know that God ultimately is a victor. Mm-hmm. And we're, if we choose God, we've, we've chosen the right side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember how I mentioned? Yeah, absolutely. Remember how I mentioned that Sister White says, you know, some of us like the time of the little time of trouble will come. The time of trouble will come. Jacob's trouble will come. That's the greatest trouble we will have. And she says, you know, don't bring more trouble than you have to to yourself. And it's almost as if God is saying, you know, like remember, it's saying this is gonna happen. This is gonna happen. This is gonna happen. Um, don't be troubled about it. And then he mentions, and this is the beginning of sorrow. I'm just wondering. Look, I, I'm a I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I love studying the Bible. So bring up whatever you know. But I'm wondering because he later on says, this is the beginning of sorrow. <laughs> so look, there is worse things that will come. Like if we cannot live through this COVID-19 crisis, how much is it going to be hard when we go out there and we're thinking, you know, did I, did I ask for this sin to be forgiven? I wonder, you know, did, did God really forgive it? I'm not sure. That's going to be mentally afflicting to the atis more like to, to the core of our well-being. It's going to be hard as Mark 13, 7 and 8 says the exact same thing. It's just a replication of what we just read. So we won't read it. When the word trouble is used in this text, the Mount's Greek Dictionary and the Strong's Dictionary, they kind of like a similar idea. It's talking about trouble also means being disturbed, disquieted, alarmed, terrified, frightened, according to the Greeks. This word utilized in the scripture is only utilized three times, which is quite interesting because trouble is used more times in a scripture, but only three times this one specifically that Christ used is utilized. He uses, well, it's appearing in a scripture twice, once in Matthew, once in Mark, 
both times it's the same kind of passage. Christ said it. And one more time, one more time it appears in another text, which is in Thessalonians. It says, uh, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind. He's encouraging the Thessalonians. This is the second letter. Obviously, some things were happening when you see the context of this text with the Thessalonians. And Paul needed to have another um, message to them after message was given, after the first letter was read to them. And then he said, you know, I'm hoping that you are not so soon to just leave behind what you know. You know how we talk in Adventism about this uh, old-time religion? That's what I read when I think about it. I mean, at the colloquial level, at the practical level, don't be too soon to just shake away what you read. He, remember, he already sent them a letter, a message before. And before that, he already has spent time with them. So he said, like, you guys are falling by some of the fables of people. Don't, don't do that. And then he says, or be troubled. Don't be afflicted. Don't be concerned. Don't be frightened by what's happening. Neither by spirit. So not by the spirit, not by word. No by letters as from us, as the day that Christ is at hand, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. To me, it's interesting that the way this actual Greek word is utilized, this is just my opinion, uh, in, 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 in Thessalonians by Paul, he's talking more so of a spiritual trouble. So... When Christ is talking about, you know, there's going to be rumors of wars and pestilences and this and that and that. All that is physical. But he's saying it's almost as if he's there is a spiritual component. He's saying, like, all of these physical things will happen. But please be strong spiritually. Do not fall aside. And in Matthew 24, later on, he will talk about how the son of perdition will be revealed in the same how the antichrist will come you know and, and when when they say you know he's there and he's here don't go out there because you know you could be deceived and we all know that text in matthew 24 24 what does it say for they shall arise false christ and false prophets and what will they do they will deceive everybody who who is not watching i guess but well, that's not what the text is but you know what it says uh and and if it were possible it finishes even the very legs so there is a key message in here that, you know, there is trouble sometimes, but we need to make sure that we are steadily uh, holding fast spiritually to what God has given us. Any thoughts about that? And remember, I don't have everything right. So if you don't think that's the case, like, you know, that doesn't make sense or yes, but also uh, bring it, bring it now forever. Hold your peace. Uh, what, what do you think? And then, if I yes. can add something um, yeah, uh, to this, like a troubled, um, uh, that's 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 why I believe that Ellen White repeats uh, uh, quite a number of times for us to to study the word and uh, mm. and know the events that are going to happen and that that are going to take the place. Of course, we don't know exactly in the details, but we 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 do know in the like uh, broad meaning what is going to happen. So, so when we know everything, when we know what is going to happen, that, that trouble will come, then actually we don't take it that hard because it doesn't take us like, you know, as a thief comes in the night. So mm -hmm. we, we, we are prepared somehow. Because, uh, yes, we, we, we um, equipped us ourselves with the word and trying to find uh, uh, the read the signs of the times. Yeah. So that's yeah, for me the good way or not to be troubled when when we know 
um, what is going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you just reminded me of that verse in um, John. Is it John? Yeah, John. Uh, John. No, it's not 1717. Uh, 1429, is it? Um, uh, which is about the prophecies, you know, thinking about what clearly was share, sharing as well in terms of Daniel and Revelation and what Sister One says, Liliana, that uh, we should be steadfast in the word and, and embedded it in our hearts. Uh, where Jesus Christ says, you know, and this, this I have told you before it comes to pass, so that when it comes to pass, ye might believe. Now, that can only happen if we're obviously spending that time in the scriptures, like, like you say, Liliana, and, and, it's, and, and, and I'm digging up the prophecies, like you mentioned earlier, clearly. Now, look at these verses. I know we're meant to finish because some of you have commitments. Uh, uh, let's just quickly read these, and, and if you have any comments about anything, just bring them up. Rebecca, can you please read John, John 14, 1 and 27? And then Liliana, could you read John 12, 27 and 13, 21? So RJ, RJ, and I'm assuming you have your wife in there. What's your wife's name? Renee. 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 Excellent. Well, nice to meet you as well. So RJ, could you read First Peter? First Peter 3, 13 to 15. And let's see how we go. We'll start with Rebecca. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Mm-hmm. We have more trouble there. That's the one that um, I think Joshua was mentioning. Yeah. And then we have Liliana. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? A father saved me from, from this tower, but for this purpose I came to this hour. When Jesus had said these things, he was traveled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. And then RJ, please. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Awesome. Thank you, RJ. Now, I don't want to throw a spinning in the works, but I will, <laughs> because um, this troubles me personally. <laughs> the trouble troubles me. The word trouble is mentioned here in these verses. But it's a different Greek. It's a different term. Remember, the other one that we read only happens three times in the Bible. This one happens about 17 times. Um, <clears throat> let me share with you. This one, the word trouble means agitate, trouble mind. So it's like an intellectual, like maybe like a psychological trouble, like fear, like terror. Like when you are stressed, like overwhelmed with anxiety, right? That's the kind of trouble we're talking about here. If we were to maybe to make it a bit easier, if you can see that, it's a comparison between the one and the other, the one that has been said three times, the one we read before, and the one that we just read now, these are the differences or, or similarities. One is more disturbed, disquiet, alarm, more like a sense of hyper arousal, like agitation. Alarm, I think, is the one that is sticking in my mind, whilst the other one is a bit more, I'm terrified, I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by what's going on. Why do you think I am a bit troubled by this troubled comparison what what caught what caught your attention there i mean john says do not let your heart be troubled and we know the rest we read it before joshua mentioned it and uh, liliana read it uh rebecca read it and rj mentioned that peter is saying you know you're going to be persecuted but take that as a privilege kind of thing don't be troubled by that but there is something else that troubled me what was that 
could do you pick it up or i'm i'm here just making fibs what did liliana read that's the one that troubles me just go back to those verses again yeah. on the, we're right, talking about excellent. john 12 27 and 13 21 we're talking about christ in gethsemane it's the same exact same word that is utilized same greek it starts with saying you know um now is my soul troubled and then and then the next one which is 1321 troubled because jesus is troubled and yet we're told not to be troubled yes that's exactly what i'm troubled with <laughs> so much trouble <laughs> i'm hoping that you unpack this idea and make me del deliver my trouble from this study what do you guys think what, what's going on why is christ saying you know don't be troubled and yet he's like you know my my soul is exceedingly troubled jesus was troubled oh well i just can remember what What we read in, in, in the chapter 17.3, yep. where it's stated that many will look away from present duties, present comfort and blessings, and be borrowing trouble in regard to the future crisis. Yes. This will be making a time of trouble beforehand, and we will receive no grace okay. for any such anticipated troubles. Okay. In, 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 you know, opposition or versus when there actually is trouble, proper trouble that should be troubling <laughs> and God will provide grace to get through those troubles. Okay. Yeah. Because he says, know? now I'm troubled. Before yeah. he wasn't, he wasn't living in a 30 whatever odd years life and, you know, complete shambles and mm. a drunkard on the street because of all the troubles that he was having because Of, of what the future held for him. Yeah. You know, he lived a productive life helping others and he wasn't troubled by what was, what some would be troubled by. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Any, any other comments? Any other ideas about this troublesome trouble? Um, the way that I understand it is that we're told not to fear in the sense like don't be overwhelmed, but I, I think uh, mainly with the one in John uh, chapter 12 and 13, isn't it more Jesus was troubled because of his love and care for us and so more like a concern type of thing? Okay. Um, okay, maybe we're getting somewhere here. In one, he was troubled because of what was going on. I mean, he was getting, leading to his, his, his separation from his father. The other one was somebody will betray me. That troubled him. And I wonder why it troubled him that somebody will betray him. He knew that it would happen. It was prophesied. Uh, any other comments about that? Maybe because he's concerned about our spiritual state. Um, yeah, he's being concerned about us being spiritually sound when these things come. Cool. I'm starting to get excited And about this. I was also thinking, yes, sorry, I was just, just thinking about when Jesus was talking about Judas betraying him. Yeah, it's that Judas did not choose to change in spite of all those opportunities. Right, right. He he didn't change. Yeah, good point. 
he, he had opportunities to repent and his heart didn't, he, he didn't want to. Sister White talks about, you know, several times God called him to, to change. And, and, and there is a comparison, even Sister White, when she talks about his character, there is also a comparison with the character of John and James, the sons of thunder, who were not any better. So that's really good, RJ, because these are the people who were saying, you know, they didn't want to listen to us. Let's kill them all. And God says, like, you don't know what spirit you're talking about from. You know, that's Satan's stuff. I came to save people. You know, give them a break for now. So these are the guys who then we see in First John, and he, he becomes the revelator. Well, he's not the revelator. The revelator is Christ. But he becomes the conjured to the revelator at the end. And then you have a John in First John, Second John, Third John, talking about my little children, my beloved children. Like, he changed from killing people to say, like, you know, I love you so much, guys. You need to have the love of Jesus in your heart. The same call that Judas had and John had, one approach differently than the other. So good. Yeah, RJ. So there was God, Jesus know that he, he, there was no way back for him. He was troubled. He was troubled. I don't want to trouble you more, but I'm going to show you another verse that also talks about trouble. And this is a different trouble verse. This is a different term, a different Greek of trouble. So there is three. Another trouble time. Second Corinthians. I'm going to ask. We're going to go back at the top the way I have you in my screen. I'm going to ask Caleb. Caleb, could you read Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight and nine, and then clearly if you could read ten and eleven. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed but not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. Mm-hmm. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Mm. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you clearly. This is what the Greek says. This is, it says, you know, to squeeze, to press. When I, when I read that, to encumber, to throw, to cry, when I read that, I remember, you know, those verses in, in, in Revelation chapter um, 14 after the three angels' message. Sometimes we miss those because we get embellished in the three angels' message. But it talks about the wine press, how it's going to be a hard time for a lot of people. You know, it's going to be pressing and pressing. But that's different. It's not the same context. I'm just, I just, it comes to my mind and I couldn't help by mentioning it. But it's talking in here, you know, it's 10 times mentioned, squeeze, press. It's something like it's happening there. So this trouble is probably a bit more different to the one that we had before. The the commentary, you know, the Mount's Greek Dictionary kind of like links it to Matthew seven fourteen, which is about persecution and trouble, uh, which makes sense because when Paul is starting this verse, he's talking, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed, which is, I find that interesting. We're troubled, but we're not distressed. So I don't know how many of you will, will make it this real with the rubber meets the road. COVID-19, I don't know how many of you were running almost out of toilet paper. <laughs> and I don't know if that brought you some distress. I don't want to simplify this because this is very spiritual, but I think this will make a little bit of sense. I guess, you know, you can be troubled by the fact that you don't have toilet paper, but you might not be distressed. It's troublesome because you'll have to find an alternative, especially if you don't find it in Woolies, in Coles, in Ali, in whatever your shops are, but you might not be distressed. You know, it, it, it's, it's a trouble. It's, it's something that you don't want to have. Now, Paul is not talking about toilet paper, right? He's talking about spiritual things, even though he refers to persecutions as well, to the physical body. Does that make sense? I would like to, and, uh, well, there is a comparison of the three, if you were wondering. 
they all look a bit similar, but I will wonder, you know, when you read this text that we just read in the context, and especially the part that I mentioned to you that I was troubled by, and that is that, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm happy to be corrected. Uh, actually, I will learn. But I wonder if when Christ is saying, you know, guys, don't be troubled because, you know, your, your salvation is assured. And really, the only thing that you have to be troubled is if somebody is taking away that from you. You know, distresses will come, COVID-19 will come, earthquakes will come, uh, other diseases that we don't even know exist will come, whatever, you know. But don't be troubled. That's the beginning of sorrows. We know that the little time of trouble, and we're not reading that today, will come, and that will be a spiritual trouble. Could it be possible that it will be almost similar to what Jesus was being troubled by? When we read Jesus' trouble, it was of a spiritual nature. He was troubled by what was about to happen. You know, he was very troubled. And then we already talked about Judas. He was troubled about somebody else's soul being lost. He wasn't troubled by the fact that they were going to be, you know, lashing him out. You know, the crucifixion. It was hard. It was, in a way, it was troubled, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say it wasn't distressing because it was horrible. But the important part in here was the spiritual aspect of the separation all the sins of the world coming on him and he was going to be separated from his father. That was the biggest trouble that he could have. Does, does that make sense? Caleb is saying, yes, yes, it does. <laughs> when we are going through these situations, when we read in this chapter of the last day events, you know, he's saying, you know, all of these are gonna, things are going to happen. And men of power, statesmen will be actually troubled by this. They know that something is happening because they're focusing on the physical aspects and we shouldn't diminish them because lives are die lives are at stake physically. You know, a lot of people are dying who maybe are not even ready spiritually to die. So we should be worried and concerned about it. We should take this serious stuff. What's happening right now, it's serious business. But ultimately, if you and I pass away physically, but we rest in peace in Christ, I will dare to say that our soul should not be troubled. It doesn't have to be troubled at all. Do we agree or we disagree, family? Yeah. Kind of? Yeah. yeah. I think. Agree, agree. I think it will be relevant to maybe talk about, maybe just finish with reading one or two verses from Psalm 91, because when I think about this trouble idea, I think about Psalm 91. And that goes back to what Alisa, sweetheart, you mentioned at the beginning when we we're talking about the book that we read, that it says that we shouldn't necessarily be overly troubled, uh, distressed the way the world distresses. The Abby? Could you read Psalm 91, verses 1 and 2? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in Him will I trust. Excellent. I don't know if you find those verses beautiful. Do you find some reassurance in there, some hope? Um, let me see if I share. I hope. That, can you see what I'm sharing with you now? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> Is it? Yes. All right, cool. Yes. So that's, that's the chapter we just read, right? Um, that's chapter one. You can tell I don't know how to highlight because I highlight almost everything. I'm like, ah, oh, that's important. Ah, oh, that's important. Ah, oh, that's important. And the whole thing gets highlighted. It's quite horrible when you have my mind. <laughs> but, but what I wanted to share with you is these last quotes, which probably resonate a lot with, with what we're speaking here. We shouldn't be trolled because of a few things. Here in this text, can you see my mouse that I'm moving? I'm just swerving around. Yeah. yeah. All right. I'm going to highlight it with my mouse. It says from the book that we read, it says, solemn fact is to be kept not only before the people of the world, but before our own churches also that the day of the Lord will come suddenly and unexpectedly. 
that's a solid fact because a lot of people, and I just say, you know, a lot of people die even with this COVID-19, suicide, the, the normal fluid killing, heart attacks, heart conditions, whatever, you know, COPD, cancer. They're dying by the masses. It's not just COVID-19. You know, there are more people dying from other things than COVID-19, but we just don't want to think about it. But the thing is that it's taking people by surprise. But the thing is that we shouldn't take us by surprise because we have this verse that it came to my mind when I was reading that, which says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness so that, that they should overtake you as a thief because you are son of the lights and son of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober, which goes back to what Liliana was saying, the sister wife says that the Bible says that we should be watching. We should be studying the scriptures. We should be sober. That's what will wake us up. That's the sobering idea is that something will reignite our thoughts into thinking about the gravity of what we live in now. That's one. The other one that I wanted to show you is this one uh, here. Many will look away from, from present duties, present comforts and blessing, and be borrowing trouble in regard to the future crisis. This will be making a time of trouble beforehand and will, be, will receive no grace for any such anticipated troubles. And then there is a time of trouble coming to the people of God, but we are, and this is important, we are not to keep that constantly before us. So I think what Sister what is saying, you know, the time of trouble, there are troubled times, not the time of trouble. There are troubled sometimes that will come. But we should not keep that constantly before the people and rein them up to have a time of trouble beforehand, which I think I mentioned before. You know, if we keep on just, every time I open my Facebook, my Instagram, my Snapchat, my, my Tumblr, my Twitter, my TikTok, my whatever you use, social media, my WhatsApp group is like, COVID-19, 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 COVID-19. Like we bring in more trouble than we necessarily have. We need to take it serious. We need to listen to the people that are telling us, stay at home and all that kind of stuff. Um, because, you know, why to go against Caesar when it's not necessary? And let us put a part to, to flatten the curve, like the government says here in Australia. But it's saying, you know, do not dwell on that constantly because you're, troubled, you're troubling yourself beforehand. You know, the time will come when it's going to be very troublesome. And when that comes, like, it's going to be so bad. Like, you wouldn't need every prayer that you can have. So I just made my own little comment here. Of course, this is just Daniel's thought. This is not inspired. This is inspired by the Holy Spirit inspiring me, but take it as it is. I just, when I read that, I was like, this connection is like this. This is it. Like, this is so relevant for us today. You know, no need to distress right now. You know, the time of trouble will come. The, the real time of trouble, of the spiritual trouble. The time that even Christ was troubled by will come. And it's going to be tough. But not if we hold back to, you know, that old time religion. That, that what we know in the scriptures, in the prophecies. And, and I just made this comment in my own mind that today we train our faith by exercising it in full belief. And then tomorrow we practice it in full capacity. Today we are kind of like training. Tomorrow we're going to practice it in full capacity. Um, does that make sense, guys? <laughs> yeah, it does. It definitely does. God will not give us grace for troubles that we are bringing upon ourselves. For mm. Now, I find this fascinating, and I'm going to finish here because I want to, I want to finish with you guys thinking about, huh, maybe we should go back and study what that means. Homework for next week. If you decide to come back, which is, there is this passage here. Um, actually, I can, I can bring it. Look, it's here. Let me put this down. It's here on the other side. It comes from that, from that section, uh, just here in where my mass is. There is a time of trouble coming to the people of God, but we are not to keep that constantly before us. We already read that. For there is a time to have a trouble beforehand. 
There is to be a shaking amongst God's people. That's how the chapter finishes. There is to be a shaking among God's people. But this is not the present truth to be carried to the churches. <laughs> I found that fascinating because we like to talk as good Seventh-day Adventists. I don't know how many of you do, but we like to talk about the shaking. And Sister White in this quote from Selected Messages, you know, volume one, 180 from 1890 says like, that's not present truth, guys. Now, it doesn't mean that we should dismiss it. The homework that I have in here, I have it here. I wrote it down for my own self. It's homework really for myself. But if you want to take it, go ahead and do it. We're going to reach up to do anyways. But in here is, what is the present truth to be presented to the churches then? I think some of you who are very avid readers of the Spirit of Prophecy will know what I, what this is talking about. But it's not the shaking, guys. It's not like, you know, shaking at the terrace. And I think, I don't want to, I, I don't want to go ahead. Let's leave it as homework because otherwise I'm going to start talking about that and we're going to be here forever. My wife already dubbed me in when we were talking in some of the WhatsApp groups saying like, oh, it's not going to be an hour. You're going to be doing that. It's going to be like going on forever. I was like, so forever has already, <laughs> forever has finished. So let's finish with that forever. Any comments? Any comments? Any queries? Any concerns? Any Anything you would like to share? It could be related or unrelated. We finish before we pray. Clearly, go ahead. I, I really appreciate a Bible study because that's when my brain works and then I realize things that I should realize, God wants me to realize. And I think what I took away from this study tonight is that I really like, I really appreciate you pointing out the, the differences between the trouble that Jesus experienced and what trouble Jesus, that oh, God doesn't want us to experience. Right. It, it makes me look back to the times when I was troubled for the time of trouble and the, what really made me troubled wasn't so much my salvation, but the salvation of others who are close mm. to me. Mm. And I look at, and maybe that might be the same trouble that Jesus is going through. And that's kind of like what you said, because you know what happened straight after crucifixion. They were very mm. discouraged and Jesus basically had to appear to them and encourage them again. Yeah, And he knew that was going to happen. And I also want to point out um, the verse that you've already quoted in First sure. Peter 3 verse 14. Mm-hmm. Um, if you suffer for righteousness sake, ha- happy are you and be not afraid of their terror. So this actually defines what God doesn't want us to be troubled of is mm-hmm. the terror of the people who don't know the truth. Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying, don't be afraid of what they're afraid of. Like you look at the COVID-19 people are terrified, Yeah, but we are not terrified because we know the truth. We know yeah. that this is not the end. Yeah. The beginning of um, birth pains, I think it is. That's right. So the real trouble, I think, in my opinion, is our own salvation. More is our, the salvation of others and what have we done to save other people. That would be the most painful part for me in the time of trouble is I haven't done enough. I have mm. been, have spent too long in my comfortable life <laughs> yeah. and have not reached enough people and I have not reached the full capacity that I could have been. I could have, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Thank you. Clearly, thank you for sharing those um, very personal insights. Yeah, yeah. I pray that we all, if we are going to be troubled, that's a good, that's a good thing to be troubled by. Our salvation, the salvation mm-hmm. of others. Uh, I always mention this in my Sabbath school classes, and and when I can, that we love to quote John three sixteen, uh, you know, for God so loved the world that He gave you His only begotten Son, that He, you know, you know, the rest who are believing Him should not perish but have everlasting life. But uh, I always like the parallel with First John three sixteen, which says, "Hereby we perceive the love of God, because He laid down His life for us." But it doesn't finish there. He says, "And therefore we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren." So, and that's Amen. my prayer because. 
honestly, I don't know about you, but I personally don't have that desire inherited in me. I, I, I need to I need to study and pray a lot that God gives me that desire more and more and more and more to actually come to a point when I can be a Moses. They're like, you know, wipe me out, but leave them free or, you know, take me, but leave them into heaven. I, 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 I have a nature that goes against that. Like I'm like Paul, like, you know, what I want to do, I don't do and this kind of stuff. So I need to spend time praying. Yeah. One thing that came to my mind as you were sharing, and I think it's so important to also remember is that being afraid of natural things, physical things, is natural for us because we are mortal. We are finite beings. And so I don't think, I, I think we should not discard the idea that it's very humane for us to be troubled by things like COVID-19, like not having toilet paper, like freaking out that there is not going to be food, uh, the typhoon is coming. It's natural. I think that denying that will be denying that we have a limbic system and an amygdala in our brain that God created for us to have fear and emotions, you know. They are there to work up uh, certain protection mechanisms in our mind. So we, we have to remember that. And I think realizing that we do have that and that that's normal, it's important because that is what will lead us back to Christ in the scripture. If we didn't have any fear at all from these things, we wouldn't be holding on to Christ. The reason why you and I don't have this fear that we say, you know, we are not freaking out for this COVID-19 is because we have Christ. But if we didn't daily, if we're not renewing ourselves daily, we will be freaking out too or freaking out for others. We can freak out for others because the reality is what you say, clearly you mentioned it very, very nicely, which is I feel sometimes, you know, I feel this anxiety for people, your family, your friends, you, whoever you know, somewhere here overseas, uh, whatever you are, that you know they are not, they don't know Christ the way you will, the way you know him and you would love them to know him. And that can be fearful to think that there is COVID-19 right now and what if they get infected? What if they are not well? What if God in his wisdom said like, you know, you had your chance and it's time for you to rest and they rested not within their names in the book of life that's scary stuff you know any other thoughts it's also the re the reason why jesus cried when at the scene of lazarus absolutely because no one believed him everyone thought that he was sad because of death but he was really grieving because of the unbelief of the jews absolutely i think sister white i say you know he was he, he was moved with compassion because of the human nature. But I agree with you. Why would he cry about the death? He was fear. He was grief with this fact of sin because sin is leading us to death. So he was sad about that. But he knew he would resurrect him, right? So logically speaking, if you know you're going to resurrect him, why would you be, you know, so sad about that? He was like, yeah, I, lo I love that clearly. Good point. It's that unbelief that should make us sad. Uh, who would like to pray? Let's finish. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Dear Father, we thank you so much for this time that we've had together to study your word. Life gets really busy and we only spend a fraction of it in your word, which gives us life. And you told us to live by every word that comes from your mouth. Please forgive us if we put other things first before you and your word. But we thank you for this time that we have now. And we thank you, Lord, for the messages that you have in your word to encourage us to not be troubled. May we take what we've learned today and apply it in our lives. And I pray especially for all the families that are here, for the Daly family, for Liliana, for the Banyos family, for the Johnson family, and for the Matsukeri family, and all our friends and family. May you please keep us in your arms and help us, Lord, to know what we ought to do to be prepared for that great day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Remember to subscribe to this podcast, 
Like it, share it, hashtag it, comment, and find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and Tumblr as Adventist Reflections. God bless you.